is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 393, recorded on Tuesday, September the 18th, 2018. Welcome to the program, everyone. Welcome to the program. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Christopher. How about you? I'm doing all right. Have you had a good Tuesday so far? Uh, yeah, it ain't over, but yes, so far it's good. <laughs> There's a few hours left, but most of those hours will be spent podcasting, so that's not so bad. Yeah. Right? Not so bad? Well, yeah, well, yes. I mean, if if Jasper's asleep by the end of the podcast, then it's going to be fantastic. But uh, if he's not asleep, he could be screaming for hours. So mm. he's got a ear thing going on. Right, right. So he's not all happy, not all that happy all the time. And very unhappy about lying in bed and sleeping. Well, that's, that's okay. Sometimes I'm unhappy about lying in bed sleeping too. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to listen to you scream for two hours because of it. No, that's very true. And you know I would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, that's good to hear. Uh, of course it's Tuesday again. If you missed last week's show for some reason, you will not know that we have decided to record on Tuesdays for the foreseeable future, just due to some other life things going on. Um, and, uh, that's just going to be the case. So that's why it's Tuesday and that new theme music. Also, uh, we got a couple of reactions. Well, we got a whole bunch of reactions to the theme music, Jason, but I just, before we get started here, thought I would, read a couple of quick emails from listeners regarding the new theme music. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm bracing myself. All right. Well, you know, you just don't do really it. need, don't, don't lead in, just go. Heather sent from her tricorder says, I just wanted to share that while I haven't quite gotten used to the new theme music yet, my dog Alfie really appreciates the change. <laughs> he hated the air raid siren. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, Alfie. <laughs> Okay, so Alfie approves. I'm I'm good. Alfie appro- Alfie approved. We should get a stamp that says Alfie approved on it. I'm ordering it online right now. Very good. Simon on the internet writes, "No, successful long-running TV shows don't change their themes. It's not like Happy Days ever changed their intro. No, wait. It's not like Bonanza changed their theme. Wait, what? Dang it. Or the Twilight Zone. That music is iconic and never Oh, come on. So, new intro music sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there you go. There's some other people who, who didn't really like the change that much, but others who did. So it is what it is. Um, I'm I'm digging it, and uh, uh, I enjoyed hearing it again this week. So it's going to stay for a while. Good. Good. Maybe we'll change it every week. No, I don't have time to make a new edit every week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you do, though, I'm all for it. Yeah, I got nothing but time. <laughs> of course. Of course. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And we are going to move right on into our discussion of Season 4, Episode 14 of Fear the Walking Dead. Don't have a title read this week. Nobody did a title read, but it's called MM54. Mmm, 54. Yeah, it's, that's the most delicious of the numbers. Yes. <laughs> and incidentally, this one, directed by Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Upchurch. All right. Yeah. You I all- knew what that was coming, but I didn't know which episode it was. So this is good. Or you told me and I forgot. I, I might have told you. I forgot too when I initially watched it. And then I saw his name pop up at the beginning. I'm like, oh, yeah, Lou Diamond Phillips. This is the nice. one. So uh, I, I got a little bit excited about that. And 
I guess we can talk about the directing a bit, but overall, uh, if I, I'd just like to throw a reminder out here, everyone. Last week, I did not like last week's episode. It's, no. you know, no secret. I really, really didn't like it at all. And there was a lot of reactions on both sides to that. There were some people that agreed with me, or I should say us, because I don't think you were a big fan either. There were some others who vehemently disagreed, which is great and totally fine. Uh, to each his own, absolutely. But the fact is, I didn't like last week's episode. I don't think you did very much either. I have been a little bit disillusioned with the entire back half of season four as it's been going on. But Jason, I'll get to my thoughts on this episode in a minute. Why don't you tell me your kind of overall thoughts on it and if you think it was an improvement on last week or they're still heading in their downward spiral, spiral into the bottom of the toilet? The second half of this episode was what I've been wanting for a very long time. Was an actual zombie show by a for a, a bunch of people, survivors, were being chased by zombies and they had to hold up in a hospital. It only could have gotten better if it was a mall. Yeah, you love the mall, but hospital okay too. Hospital you know, hospital's good. Okay. Hospital's probably got some uh some I'm not even sure. They probably have gurneys, you know. Rolling yeah. beds? Yeah, How yeah. How you go wrong? <laughs> yes, of course. You don't even have to get out of bed to get to the kitchen to get a sandwich. Yeah. You just roll take yourself me, in there. Take me to the cafeteria, and uh -huh. it's all set up for the rolling the gurneys around. This is great. Very good. So you like this episode? I liked it. Uh, I, I feel kind of uh, underwhelmed about the first half, about Martha. Mm -hmm. uh, that movie was so bad, it ruined this. Anyway, uh, so... I I, I kind of liked it. I liked the backstory, but it just, it kind of shifted gears halfway through the episode, right? It was like, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy disappears. All of a sudden, it's a different episode. That's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about it like that, but you're you're very right. It was, the first half was all about Martha, and the second half was all about them trying to take refuge in this hospital and sort of getting boxed in and trapped and being forced upstairs. And it did feel like two different episodes kind of mashed together a little bit. Yeah. So the, the second, the second episode in this episode, I, I, I did enjoy because, uh, -huh. uh that's, that's all I've ever wanted out of a zombie television show, really. Uh, and the first, first half was the first quarter was interesting, but then it got kind of went downhill for the second quarter and then it picked up for the last half. So All if right. I, you know, if, if you could imagine a graph or, I, you know, you could make it a line graph, you could make it a bar graph, you could make it a pie graph, pie graph being like half the episode, good quarter of the episode, sort of good and quarter of the episode, uh, kind of not so good. Not so good. Kind of a, okay. kind of a grayish blue color. Good. Well, I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. I think this episode was a, a, an immense step in the right direction, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought it was a lot better than, well, last week, but a lot better than um, recent episodes of season four. So I, I was really happy coming out of this one, to be honest with you. That's not to say it didn't have some problems. Um, and I think you're right. There's a stretch there kind of in the middle that is not the best uh, part of it, but overall, I think it's a big turn in the right direction for the show. And I'm just hoping now they can finish the season really strong with the two remaining episodes. Right. So we, uh, and Dirty Martha is going to come back though, right? Even though they went down the road and then they went down another road and they went into a city and went to a hospital, somehow she's going to find them, right? Oh yeah. She has to come back. Uh, I mean, I, it never even occurred to me that she wouldn't be coming back or wouldn't continue to be a threat as you know, as the season wraps up, I suppose it's possible 
that she doesn't return until season five. But I feel like that would be a mistake because we we just got to know her a little bit here in this episode. And if they ignore her now while season four finishes and we have a long break until season five comes around, I think if they ignore her, that's just going to kill any momentum they created or they started with this episode. Right. So I really hope they don't do that. But overall, for me, it was so much better. I thought this this one had, you know, a certain amount of drama, action, suspense and tension, which are all great things, I think, for the for yeah. a zombie TV show. I never really felt like it dragged at all, uh, other than, as you said, a short sort of period in the middle. But honestly, it didn't really bother me that much. And I didn't find Morgan as annoying as I have recently. And that's, that's important. And, 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 you know, annoying might not be the right word, but almost um, kind of aimless. And I know Morgan has said a lot that he has goals and he's sort of trying to do something, but it doesn't, hasn't really felt like Morgan very much, but I didn't get that feeling as much in this episode. So, so that was good. And I just think they did a much better job. So this comes down to a lot of things, of course, but I'm sure Lou Diamond Phillips had some sort of influence on this a little bit as the director. Well, just being on set would be a, a major boost for everybody involved, I'm sure. Right. Just having the guy around, right? Yeah. I mean, that'd be the, a boon to my day. That's for sure. He should just come to your office one day and stand behind you while you do your work and say, you're doing a great uh, job, Jason. I wouldn't make him do that. I mean, that'd be incredibly boring and have him breathing down my neck all the time. But just, you know, showing up at my house, come on over. We'll have a, we'll have some coffee. We'll sit on the back deck and uh, maybe, maybe make, make a, a barbecue. Yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be a good time. So let's talk about the lengthy cold open of this episode, which is essentially Martha's backstory. We used her name already. We know now that the Dirty Joker slash Dirty Michonne is named Martha. Dirty, Yeah, we have clean Martha at the beginning, and we have dirty Martha by the time she talks to uh, to Morgan on the CB. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, But we get her basic backstory here, and we find out why she is the way she is. And... As much as I enjoyed this part, was it a little abbreviated and sort of too quick? I think it was. You know, it seemed like a lot of a lot happened and a lot of time passed in not a lot of time, if you know what I mean. And yeah, but I was okay with that. Yeah, I I I sort of thought of it as kind of efficient storytelling here. I think if they'd done a long like a full episode of Martha's backstory, we'd probably be sitting here going, "Oh my god, let's." get on with it, you know, we, we sort of get it. So instead they did an extended cold open. Um, and, and I feel like we got a good insight into where she came from and what has made her the way she is. Yeah. I was worried when it, it opened on this scene and I'm like, Oh my God, that's Martha. Or I didn't know her name at the time, but that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, the dirty lady. Uh, and we're going to get this whole episode is not going to have anybody in it except Morgan, because you have to have Morgan in every episode now. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just, I was worried that it was going to be her backstory the whole episode. But then it, uh, you know, she talked to Morgan on the phone or the CB. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, well, that we're all caught up now. That's great. Right. And and, and we did get ca- caught up. And I, I, I appreciated that. So I liked this cold open. Um, there were some things about it. There was a short sequence when her husband was dying in the car and this, the sound design went mostly silent except for this kind of clicking noise. And I thought it was off-putting a little bit, but but effective because she was just starting to 
to lose her mind in a way, you know, not knowing what to do because no one would stop and help. And then when she was in the field burying him after he does die, we got this quick montage of kind of the voices in her head and they're all overlapping and stuff. And she ultimately silenced them by yelling out no, but I thought it was a pretty effective way of portraying that she was not right in the head and starting to lose it and stuff like that. So I think they did a good job in that way of portraying what was happening to her, to us, the audience in a short period of time. Yeah. And I think it was a good, uh, I think she's about halfway to becoming an earth elemental. And uh, that was the, uh, the, the first, I think we've seen the first half. Now we just need to leave. Like she just needs to walk the earth uh, for the next, 150, 200 years, and then she'll become a full-fledged earth elemental uh, and then <laughs> uh, wreak terror on, uh, on unsuspecting travelers. Yes, of course. <laughs> so that, that's what I figure. Yeah, of course. I'm sure that'll happen. Um, what about the montage we got of her with the original box people? It started with Stevie, who we got a whole scene with. Um, and then we got, you know, the rest of them as well, uh, as she was killing them off one by one. You know, I, I, I don't know that that was super necessary, but again, it was quick and it, it gave us an idea of, of what she was doing and, and how she sort of got to the, the point she's at now. So I, I didn't mind it. Yeah, that no, was good. Um, and I'm glad that none of them survived, to be quite honest with you. I thought when they introduced Stevie and we have that whole, conversation i'm like oh good another character we're gonna have to deal with i bet you stevie's gonna come come around later they're gonna run into her later um but no martha uh, martha kills her and i was a little relieved which i'm sort of you know embarrassed to say but i'm glad stevie didn't survive what i liked about that scene really though is they caught me by surprise because you think that Martha's going to kill her as soon as Stevie turns her back, right? She turns around to write on the box uh, and you think, oh, she's dead. Martha's got her now, but Martha doesn't kill her. She waits until she, Stevie turns around again and then she puts the, the stick through her neck. So yeah, she touches her neck with a stick and it just magically goes through it. Sure. Just like um, Henry did in the main show and, and everybody else. Can yeah. Do. And Morgan did a little bit later in this episode. It's just, these magic sticks, you know, you can jab somebody with a pointed stick in their neck and they'll probably stagger back and get some damage and, and stuff, but it's not going through your neck. There's no way. Well, I, I you mean, got a spine in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The spine's meant to hold your head up your whole life. Your whole life. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I know. But, um, I think we just have to accept the fact that sticks go through necks pretty easy. Uh, you know, and then they must, certainly do. Must've been a plus one stick. Plus one stick. That's right. Yeah. Plus one to neck stabbing. You can do some pretty serious damage to someone's like throat though, by poking, hitting them hard enough with a stick. Oh yeah. You can probably collapse their larynx. There's all kinds of stuff you can do, but you're not going through the neck. Sure. Unless you have an extremely sharp knife, basically. Uh, even then, I'm not sure. Like it's, it's not easy to get through yeah. the spine with the knife. Yeah. I can, but if you miss the spine a little bit, I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. What I appreciated about it is they caught me by surprise when Martha didn't kill her when her back was turned and then did as soon as she turned around again. So that was good. And then the rest of the box delivery people, I must admit, seemed kind of useless. Like they all just easily got knocked over and eaten by Martha's zombie on a stick. So right. what are you going to do? 
uh, I just assumed that they were altruistic, uh, goody goody uh, morons that just went around delivering boxes without paying heed to anything that was happening around them, like the sound of zombies coming around the truck. Because that guy wasn't the zombie wasn't muzzled or anything. It was just it was somebody just leading the zombie around the truck. Still a zombie coming around the truck, going yeah, like you know. Yeah, no, it's true. Keep, he, keep your head on a swivel if you're in the uh, zombie apocalypse delivering boxes. And keep your ears open. You should be able to hear that happening, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I agree with that. And and those are the little things that uh, that can get to you after a while, but I think didn't bother me that much. And, and, you know, the more I watch these shows, the less they do. There's always that one stealth zombie that manages to come out of nowhere right up behind someone and get them. But Oh, yeah, that's um, we. Uh, there's uh, an old... Uh, an old timey rule for filmmaking is that if uh, if something is out of frame, the people in frame can't see it. Right. <laughs> it's like it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It just, just they cannot see it until it's in the frame. Characters on TV do not have object permanence. As soon as they turn around, anything they saw behind them no longer exists. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what dumber it is. than my cat. <laughs> that's right that's right uh all right what about her another thing i liked actually was martha's little speech about words matter and how she you know corrects the spelling on the box and uh she says she was an english teacher and she used to drive people crazy with her grammar correction yeah. i thought that was okay again an, an english teacher would think that well, uh, i don't i'm not an english teacher and you think that uh, that language is important, that the that spelling is important, and all that crap? Well, grammar. I, I mean, I I do, I guess. In the zombie apocalypse, maybe not as much, but but I think it worked well in the context of the show because for me, it it sort of lined up with some of the themes of season four. When you consider what Al is doing and how she's recording people's stories, and she says that recording memories are important and that people's stories have importance. I feel like that sort of relates to this a little bit, you know, words, the written word is important and Martha feels that way and Al feels that way. So it was thematically appropriate. I thought, okay, I can, I can, I can accept that. Yeah. And, and also it gave us a little bit of insight into, into Martha. I mean, if anybody's going to go crazy fast, it's an English teacher. <laughs> no offense, yeah, English okay. teachers. I, I'd agree with that. <laughs> I've known a few English teachers, and they've been all pretty crazy. I assume they went pretty crazy pretty quickly uh, when I didn't see them when they were out of frame. They must have. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they did. Uh, now, and then the whole thing gave us an idea of the time frame because we don't know exactly when Martha's Martha and her husband had that car wreck where her husband got impaled by the guardrail. That's a pretty yep. bad accident, you got to say. Well, I assume the guardrail was broken from a previous accident and that uh, they were just coming around the corner and she fell asleep. So she probably feels responsible for that because she probably is. Yep. She fell asleep, rammed right into that guardrail, uh, you know, went through her husband's chest, and it's like, shit, I, I feel bad about that. Well, I'm going to drop in an email here from designer Will in Brooklyn, and he says, I still find it hard to believe an English teacher became a capable slaughtering machine after her husband died. I understand the anger, but even if someone stopped by to help her husband, he was impaled by a guardrail, which not sure how that happens just driving down the road. You fall asleep. And, you know, 
it's not one thing that went wrong. It's like three things, right? The mm-hmm. guardrail was imperfect. Somebody else rammed into it and caused it to go out into the middle of the road. And she fell asleep at the wheel, ramming right into it just perfectly. Just had to be the convergence of these three or four perfect situations yeah. that ended up in that uh, in that death. Yeah, and guilt. I mean, if she feels guilty about that, that can cause, I mean, obviously a lot of distress and, and then... On top, on top of that, nobody was willing to stop and help them, and I'm sure she just felt powerless, and and it drove her to the brink of insanity. Yeah, and the the rule thing actually makes sense in that context as well, because she's a rule follower, right? She believes in rules, the rule of language, uh, uh, and if nobody stops, that must mean there is a rule that is a, that is being applied here that uh, gives this meaning and the rule is don't help anybody yeah and so she starts believing in that rule and that rule just supersedes everything else nobody can help anybody because that's the only way that uh, it makes sense that nobody helped me right and and how does that fit into you know helping people actually makes them weak i guess she says it's because it's because people have to learn to fend for themselves yeah, maybe she feels that uh, uh, she's stronger now than she was. She's turned into a killing machine. Who knows? She might have been a killing machine beforehand. She might have been a serial killer. We don't know. That's All true. We, you know, we pick up here in the middle of the situation. We don't. Uh, we don't, don't have her entire backstory. Maybe she's been, you know, killing dogs and cats for decades. Well, that's that's a horrible thing to do. Yeah, and now she's graduated to, uh, you know, I get to kill whoever I want because uh, there ain't no law and I really enjoy it. Yeah, well, maybe. And you know, this is actually kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But you're right. I mean, we overall, I just think this whole sequence with her, because of all these things, it it gave me the understanding I needed of where she came from, what happened to her. And why she is the way she is. And her basic description of it is when you help people, they never, never learn to take care of themselves. And that's a really simple idea, but it's, it's nice to have that confirmed sort of, you know, uh, about this character. So I think, I think they did a pretty good job with this. She, she had to kill her own husband. She had to drag him into the field. She had to bury him. She had to, uh, just deal with all that, and it's what made her go crazy and and start killing people that were trying to do good. Did she drag him into the field? Yeah, like she buried something. But when we got a, a later shot, when the tra- uh, the tractor trailer was going around that car with the zombie, that guardrail was still in the middle of that car. So either she took him out in pieces, or he's still there, and she just buried his shirt. No, we saw the body lying on the ground beside the hole she was digging. I'm pretty sure. So she picked oh, up, yeah. yeah, she picked up that piece of glass. She used that to stab him in the head and then somehow got him out of that car and dragged him over in all the way around that little pond. Yeah. Right? Like, like she dragged him a good, uh, couple hundred meters there. That's, sure. That's a goodly way. I'm sure it wasn't easy. But I would have just, you know, rolled him down the hill into the pond. <laughs> Here you go. Be fish food. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a burial at sea. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Would have been easier. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. So excellent. Good start to the episode. I thought uh, we move on into the machine gun confrontation or at least the uh, aftermath of it. And this is where last week's episode finished up. Um, 
is this where things go a little off the rails for you? It 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 does. Uh, I I got because it's not. I, I can't I can't believe it. There's holes in everything in this uh, in the back of this thing. There's holes in kegs. There's holes in barrels. There's holes in the floor. There's holes in the wall. There's no holes in people. No. Right. Like they all the bullets magically went around all of these people. Yeah, and I that occurred to me too. There's a lot of holes in just the side of the truck. You can see all the light poking through. It is rather amazing that nobody got hit. Uh, it looked like it looked like June pulled a stick out of her leg as she was getting up. And yeah, and, so a bullet hit a piece of wood, and the piece of wood hit her. Uh, unless like diving to the ground, it was poking up or something, and it poked oh, yeah. into her leg. I mean. For me, it was just like, uh, number one, yeah, nobody was hit. So that's a little bit hard to breathe, uh, believe, not hard to breathe, hard to believe. It's a little hard to breathe. Yeah. And then, and then, um, uh, just her pulling a stick out of her leg and having real, not really any ill effects from it. Like, yeah, she looked like it hurt a little bit when she pulled it out, but the rest of the episode, she seems perfectly fine. And you got to think if you had a stick poking in your leg like that, it's going to at least give you a limp or something for a while. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we obey different laws in this universe, right? People are soft mm -hmm. and I guess they have the, the same, uh, the same healing ability as they do in lost, whereas injuries don't, aren't debilitating for very long. Yeah. Yeah. They heal quick. They definitely yeah. heal quick. So maybe that's, uh, that's the thing too, is that people heal quick. Yeah, that, maybe that's uh, that's part of the universe. Maybe this is a slightly different universe than the one we live in. Obviously, it is the one where zombies are real. But because people's bones are so soft, and that people are so permeable to sticks, that they, in order to compensate for that, humanity has developed a super healing ability, right? right. Because they get poked with sticks all the time, and they just go right through. We got to be able to heal that shit. So we're we can heal very, very fast. And the consequence to that is that, we, uh, you know, humanity developed zombieism. <laughs> right. But well, it's so, easy to put a stick through a zombie's head or easier. So, yeah. So, you know, maybe it's all just, you know, maybe that just explains the entire uh, universe is that, uh, you know, just a, just a tweak of uh, evolution has caused all this shit to happen. Sure. Well, it's the butterfly effect. One tiny little change can have a massive impact on, yeah. on unforeseen impact. Maybe the uh, the first amoeba millions of years ago got poked with a stick, and it thought, "Fuck that," and developed a whole new <laughs> ecosystem. That's right. Well, the rest of this this scene uh, again, I thought worked pretty well, uh, other than sort of the lack of injuries. Not that I, you know, I'm wishing injuries on people, but a little bit more serious fallout from being sprayed with machine gun fire would have been nice. Um, but if you can get past that, um, I think it was kind of, I think it was pretty well done. Um, I have another email here that I'm going to drop in from Sally on the internet. Uh, she wasn't quite as happy with it. Sally writes, how the bloody hell did they let dirty Michonne get away? It's one of those things that had me screaming. And how do you survive a shotgun blast to the chest? <laughs> So she's referring to Wendell being down on yeah. the ground. His wheelchair was destroyed, of course, at this point. So he's down on the ground. He still has his shotgun. And he takes a shot at Martha and hits her in the shoulder. Uh, and again, Martha, not really any ill effects. She did not seem to be in that rough shape from it. Well, yeah. 
That that's true. I mean, it was birdshot. Like we know that it's birdshot, right? Which tiny little pellets, right? Which and spread a lot, right? Which spread a lot. So maybe it just uh, she only got hit by you know three or four, and that distance maybe they weren't going fast enough that they caused a deep injury. I don't know. Well, I'm not. I'm. I'm not up on my shotgun injuries, right? Yeah. So, well, you know, someone a long time ago, and it could have been you. I. I don't recall to be honest. Explained to me how shotguns work, and it is. It is just that where, you know, it. It. It shoots all these little pellets, which spread out a lot, so that you and have a have a fairly short range too, right? Yeah. So if you get shot point blank with a shotgun in the chest, it's going to make a very small entry wound but a very large exit wound because well, no they you're spread thinking out. of uh you're thinking of uh a different kind of round that's uh that it's not going to make a, any exit wound is the thing is that they're tiny uh, little pellets they don't have a lot of momentum they don't have enough momentum to go through your body not even with the as gun they, touching your chest oh well that would probably well maybe i mean it's like being punched with uh, a really big hammer uh Right. But I'm not sure the pellets, the individual pellets themselves, maybe one or two might go through. I don't know. But not from that distance. It probably wouldn't go through the wound. And it doesn't spread out like that. You're thinking of uh, uh, hollow point rounds. Okay. So a hollow point round is designed when it enters, it's like it's got a, a hollow tip. So it it, it just, the, uh, the it fragments and sp- spreads. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that makes a big hole going out. These birdshot doesn't do that. Most likely it's steel pellets. So they don't break apart. Right. But I just thought the spread of them would take a lot of flesh with them as they leave your back. Oh, it, it'll, no, not necessarily. Okay. Not unless you're right up against them, uh, right up against the, the person with the shotgun. Well, that's what I meant, like point blank range right up against them. Anyways, in this case, I think what you were saying is absolutely correct. You know, it was not the most powerful uh, uh, ammunition. It was birdshot, right? And yeah. the, all the little pellets came out and only maybe a just enough of them hit her to make that wound, but not really do significant damage. Yeah. I mean, if I could count them, like, there's probably 10 or 15, but they all look rather small. Sure. And the wound itself, to me, it looked bad, but if it was really all just sort of surface, I'm sure it hurt, but it wouldn't be enough to really take her out. So yeah. that's kind that's of- That's what I assume. I mean, it might not be true, yeah. but that's what I assume. And that's kind and of how I I'm still not this. entirely sure what deer shot is. I think he might've been referring to a slug. And that is like a bullet that's like an inch and a half around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's, that's a big fucking piece of metal that flies through the air. It's not very accurate at any distance because it doesn't spiral like uh, a rifle. Yeah. But it, it's meant for shooting- big things close up. So I'm not sure what he meant by deer shot because that doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe the listener can help out. Was he referring to a slug or was he referring to like a, uh, uh, you know, a big, big steel balls? Like, or, or is it, is it similar to bird shot, just bigger pellets or something like that? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So I'm not sure. That might've been, you know, you might fill it with, with bird shot. You have hundreds of pellets in there, right? Cause right. it spreads out and you get the bird. The bird usually goes down if it only gets one or two pellets in it. Yeah. Because, you know, birds are very light and not very strong, but you do that to a deer. It's just going to go, what's the hell's the matter with you? You stupid moron. You hit me with something and then leave. And then run right? away. But, but if you have a, uh, you know, if a deer shot is referring to like, quarter inch steel balls and there's only five of them in the uh, in the round you get real close and then you shoot it you get five steel balls going into something and that's gonna hurt yeah definitely gonna hurt and then the truck explodes and oh yeah that was pretty good i thought that was pretty good yeah it was okay it, it provided enough sort of chaos in the scene that 
it helped me explain how Martha was able to get away. Basically, like everyone hits the deck when the truck explodes. Uh, she goes to close the door. Wendell takes another shot and hits the door and then she starts up the truck and drives off. Like I, I was kind of at first was sort of like, Oh man, they just let her get away. She's right there. But it, it all sort of worked out in the end for me. And I appreciated the explosion. Uh, they lost all their weapons, which were in the back of the truck. I think Sarah said that. And Jim was upset about his yeast cake going up in flames. I don't know. I assume that's a thing. It must be a thing. (laughs) And they 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 have to have a beer consultant on uh, on on these episodes because yeast cake has got to be a thing. You don't just make up something like yeast cake. I don't. No, you don't. Right. So must be a thing. Um, And it you know it it made them the end result is they lost everything. Everything they had was in there, and in fact, it was their vehicle. And now they've got nothing. And they've got zombies coming in from the forest who have been attracted to the sound and the the fire, probably. So I thought it did a pretty good job of amping up the intensity a little bit, or at least the danger around these characters. Yeah, and it's a good thing Wendell got out of the truck earlier, because if he had to get out of the truck in a hurry, that would have been a problem. Oh, yeah. That, I don't know that he would have been able to do that, and now he'd be on fire or exploded. All right, you know, somebody, he would have just jumped out of the truck and landed on the ground and hope somebody can help him out after that. Probably what would have happened. Uh, probably, I guess, but that truck exploded pretty good. So I'm yeah. not sure he would have made it. Was it, would a diesel semi explode? Uh, sure. Oh, who knows? It, I don't know. I, it's, I, I've always been told that it's pretty difficult to make a car explode. You know, in video games, you shoot the gas tank and it blows up every time. Apparently yeah. that's not a thing in real life. No. And diesel's even harder. Right. Right. Diesel, you, you really got to try to make that shit burn. Yeah, so I don't know, but it was a good explosion. Yeah, I assume there was, uh, I'm not even sure what. I don't know. Uh, it, it was would, a, no, now, bag, when they use, uh, when they make pyrotechnics, don't they use gasoline, like a, 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 a gallon thing of gasoline, and they blow it up, and it makes a big fireball? I don't know. The fumes, gasoline fumes ignite easily, but yeah. the actual liquid I hear doesn't, but I don't know. Oh, maybe it was filled with um, Coffee Mate. I that don't know. Uh, petroleum coffee mate, that shit burns. It makes a huge fireball, like it's atomized. Wow! If you uh, throw, if you throw that up in the air and light it on fire, that sucker will just go up. Like it's it's basically petro- a petroleum product that is in little tiny pellets, and uh, you can make that shit blow up. Awesome. Well, we'll have to try that one day. There's a MythBusters where they they did that, and it was it was massive. So maybe uh, that's where they stored their uh, coffee mate. Yeah, maybe they were they were like, no, we don't have enough room in the back for the coffee mate. Let's just store it in the engine. And store it in the engine block with the dynamite. <laughs> right, and right. every once in a while we'll put a pizza in there to warm it up. Sure. <laughs> and if Makes you sense. know if somebody explodes, well, that's the risk we're going to take. <laughs> or cheese melts all over the engine block. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Get another pizza. <laughs> Scrape it off and eat it. Uh, okay, let's move on. Alicia and Charlie, they are back in this episode at least a little bit. This whole storyline isn't working great for me. This is the part that I that I didn't like as much. Uh, first, they come up on the exploded truck later on because everybody is gone. And what I didn't understand is that when they decide to leave, they look at a map And Alicia says they could be anywhere. They could have gone any direction. Um, And she decides to head east, which we see them and and we see them get in the car, turn around and apparently drive back the way they came. Now, I know we find out later that 
her actual goal is to take Charlie to the beach, which I guess is that way. But to me, I'm thinking this doesn't make sense. They just drove up from that direction. Yeah. And now they're going to go back the way they came, thinking that they're going to find their friends. Like that's it, that's the one direction that they're not going to find them in. Right. Because they just came from that direction and they didn't see them. You know, they could drive across country at a 90 degree angle and have a better chance of finding them. Well, the best chance is just to keep frigging going down the road. Keep going right? the same way. That's right. So I didn't get that. Now, it's kind of explained later about taking Charlie to the beach, but I still thought that was that whole thing was kind of weak, too. I just don't really get at this point why Alicia is so dead set on giving Charlie this beach experience, Uh, even though they had their kind of coming together moment in the house when they almost drowned in the basement. But I don't know. It's it's not really working that well for me. Um Alicia tells her that we only have right now and it's the one thing I can do. So Alicia, I guess, is trying to take control of something because she doesn't know what else to do. And she's kind of watching out for this girl now and she wants to take her to the beach. So I get that, but I must admit, I don't find it all that compelling to watch. Yeah. You know? Well, hopefully they'll get, well, they found uh, uh, John Dory. And Strand, so they'll get over that shit by the next episode, I hope. Right, so at the end, we don't see them much after the truck bit, and then at the end, uh, they find they come to the flood where John Dory and Strand are. They find his hat floating down, and the final scene, we don't know for sure that we see them, but Alicia looks across and says, holy shit, so obviously that's who they're looking at. Maybe it's a, a zombie king. A zombie king, eh? Yeah, it's like a rat king where uh, rats get all tangled together and uh, they can't get apart, like all their tails get all tangled together. So maybe the zombies are all intertwined or, you know, burnt and melted together. And it's just this massive body of zombie gore crap moving across the field. Maybe it's a zombie king. That sounds scary. It does. Jeez. Rat kings sound scary too. I think they're real. They're real? I think they're real. You know, I killed a hornet queen the other day. Oh, yeah? Um, holy Does that make you queen? Well, that's what somebody else said. I think I'm the king of the hornets now. But it was in my frigging office. And I, I, I was in there with one other, two other people. And we were just chatting in the morning. Was, we'd all just got there. And then the one guy, I was sitting at my desk. They were standing up. And then the one other guy, he started jumping around and he batted something off his leg. And I didn't see it until it was flying around and we, it was this massive flying thing, which I couldn't get a good look at it, but I was able to follow it. And then it, it kind of went, I jumped up at this point and it kind of went down and landed sort of under my desk. And I didn't see it at first. I'm like, holy geez, if, the, if I can't find this thing, I got to go home. I can't sit here with whatever that is under my desk. Yep. Um, but then I located it and it was a two inch long hornet which looked like a, like a two inch long wasp with a really big body an extendo long tail. And then a stinger, like a half an inch coming out the end of it. Like this thing was massive. I had never seen anything like this. And I think it was, well, it was a little stunned or something because it's just was sitting there on the ground. So I stomped the shit out of it, man. And, uh, just demolished that thing. But it was horrifying. It was so big. If that thing landed on me and I didn't see it, I think, and it stung me, I think I'd be dead now. I Yeah, I would have noped and, and noped out of there and just like 
checked out. It's like, well, I don't work here anymore and I'm gone. Yeah, it's that's it. We either I, I said to my coworkers, I took some pictures of it before I killed it and I posted it on our work Slack channel. I'm like, guys, we got to move because uh, this <laughs> I can't work here anymore. Have you seen this yeah. thing? It was yeah. insane. Now you just got to burn the building down and move on. Yeah, exactly. But I would I, it started making me worried. Like, is there a nest in here somewhere or is this queen like abandoned by her her colony? I don't no, know. What was going every on. once in a while, they'll the the they'll produce a new queen, and it's got to find its own shit. So it's trying to find a place to build a nest. Okay, well, I just hope I didn't anger the rest of the wasps, and they're all going to no, come they back. No, they don't leave. The queen doesn't like fuck it. I'm out of here. Okay. Well, I don't know. The, that queen's dead sure. now. So yeah. Anyway, don't Google Rat King. It's disgusting. Oh, I'm going to do that. Freaky. Later. No, don't don't do it. Okay. All I, the only other thing I have to say back to the show about Alicia is that she feels really out of place on this show now, to be honest with you. She's really the only original cast member left uh, because I don't count Strand and Luciana. So Alicia's the only original left and it just doesn't feel like her show anymore. It doesn't feel like she's important to the story, the themes, what the show's trying to do. And they're just kind of ha- keeping her around for, you know, the nostalgia or something like that. But she feels out of place. And that bums me out because I thought in season three, well, and all along, she was an important character who was who, who was doing really great things, great work, fun to watch. But I just don't get that feeling anymore. So, yeah, you think they're going to kill her off? Well, I'll, I'll be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I really don't think they are because it's that one little connection to the original cast. I don't think they're going to kill her off. I mean, if they do, it's not going to be right away. So I don't know, but yeah, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get her anymore. And it's a character I used to really, really like. So, um, and I still do like, but I think she's being wasted on the show, sadly. So that's it. Um, I don't feel she's connected to any of the current plot or themes, really. Uh, but maybe that'll change. I don't know. Could be. Okay. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we sort of get to the hospital and, and run through all that stuff? Okay. Well, I have a couple questions. Sure. So uh, how long has it been since the uh, beginning of the zombie outbreak? Well, that is a very good question. Uh, I thought it was actually longer than it actually is, but the official Walking Dead Twitter account recently tweeted the number of days. <laughs> so is it seven? Uh, no, it's more than seven. Six hundred okay. and something, I think they said. So about two years. Yes. Okay. So in two years. Yeah. Do all the the telephone poles lean at like a sixty degree angle? from like they were at 90 and now they're at 60 because they were walking down the road and there was a lot of telephone poles that were off at a weird angle. And, uh, you know, I grew up with telephone poles and I don't remember them uh, coming around every year and straightening them up. Uh, no, that's true. They, I think they probably <laughs> sit in concrete and concrete's pretty hard. So, or even, no, this was like in the year, in the seventies, right? They just, you know, pile drive wood into the ground Oh yeah, and went, uh, there, there's your pole. And it was fine. So, okay. So you're worried about how many of the telephone poles are falling over after, uh, after Only just two, two years. years. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that, that's it. There okay. seemed like an abnormally large number of telephone poles at a cockeyed angle. You know, maybe it was the big storm that just finished. It blew them all down. Uh, yeah, it could be. Okay. I mean, absolutely. It could, you know, 
That's uh, that's a thing. Yeah. Telephone poles go off at weird angles. Yeah, they do. Yeah. In big storms. Uh, yep. All right. So the hospital, Jason, we get to the hospital. Our crew flees there, you know, with zombies chasing them up the road. And they end up stuck inside this hospital and eventually forced up to the ceil- or the ceiling, to the roof, where yep. now they're stuck on the roof. So... Uh, how did you feel about the whole hospital sequence and, and I don't know, just how it played out? I thought it was good. Yeah, I, do, I, I agree. It. <laughs> I agree. I think it was really good, too. Uh, to start, when Morgan was down on the ground level and they'd barricaded the doors, I thought the walker silhouettes outside the window were pretty typical zombie movie stuff, but I thought it worked well. I thought it looked cool, and it was creepy. That's the kind of thing that uh, you want to, you know, film and then project onto your translucent windows uh, in your apartment at Halloween. Or all year round. Or, yeah, just for a nightlight. For a nightlight. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Project it on the wall for a nightlight. I think that's a fantastic idea. I think it was really good. Uh, and, and this, to me, is where the episode really got its sort of action feel from and because they were fleeing they were in danger they were trying to get i mean they had nowhere to go they were surrounded so they decided to go up which i guess given no other option is okay but at the same time part of me thinks well you go up you're you can only go so far up and then you're stuck but with no other option you got to go somewhere was, uh, was it just me or did you expect a helicopter to rescue them and then take them to the big show well we still have two episodes left you never know what'll happen <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but we got a little bit of Wendell's backstory here. He explained how he saved a kid when he was younger from being hit by a car, but he ended up getting paralyzed. And I think it fits with the story again, just like yep. just like Martha's backstory did. He helped somebody, but bad shit happened. Yeah. Um, you think he regularly shits in a sandbox? Because they said that a couple of times in this episode. And I was wondering if that was something he did. I don't think it was something he did, but I do think it's an good, it's a good way of describing something that's going wrong. Because if you go out to play in your sandbox and a raccoon took a shit in it overnight, that's not going to be a fun sandbox to play in. That's why when you build a sandbox, you make a lid. Oh, always, always make a lid. We have a sandbox in the backyard. It's got a lid. It has to. I, we just took ours out and uh, it had a lid, but it's gone now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Wendell's backstory, pretty good. The only part of this whole bit that I didn't really like was there was an awkward sequence here with with a commercial break right in the middle. And I don't know if you picked up on it, but there was a scene where Jim comes down to apologize to Morgan, basically. Jim's all along been saying this is all your fault. You know, everything that's going wrong is because of you. And he comes down to apologize and thank him for helping them. He's kind of come around a little bit. And then we go to, and this is when the zombies break in through the bottom floor and they have to run away. Right. We go to a commercial break though. And now everybody is upstairs and all of a sudden Jim is berating Morgan saying that he has to get them out of this. And that's all this, all his fault. And it felt a little awkward to me. And and I do feel like I know what they were trying to do in that, like Jim was coming around a little bit, but then all of a sudden they got in more extreme danger and he reverted back to sort of blamey Jim. Right. But 
I don't know. It felt weird. I was like, when you don't have the commercial break in between, maybe that's part of the problem because I watched this downloaded from iTunes. You know, maybe it's just too fast. It's too jarring. And I, I didn't think it worked very well. That bit. I did notice. I didn't notice it being jarring. I did notice that he flip flopped. Yeah. He totally flip flopped. Yeah. It was, uh, it was unfortunate. Maybe there's two different, uh, versions of the script that they kind of hammered together in the edit. Yeah. Well, it could be. I mean, it, it, it feels like maybe they, they had these two scenes and they weren't quite sure maybe which one they were going to go with. And they ended up going with both. I don't know. I just think it was weird in the context of the episode to have him be apologizing. And then immediately after, um, berating Morgan for, you know, getting them into such danger again, if it had spread out a little bit and maybe some bad stuff had happened in between, then maybe you could understand it a little bit more, but uh, but I didn't feel that. Right. Um, and then from there, I mean, things just, just kind of go off the rails. They have nowhere to go. They're running away. They do make some bad decisions, but it's all under extreme duress. So I feel like that's kind of okay. Um, when they do, when they get the power back on and the elevators start to work, my first thought was, why not go down in the elevator? Why go up? But I guess they figure well, down, zombies down. Yeah. I guess helipad up. Well, that's right. I guess they figure that the ground floor is now completely swarmed with zombies, so they're going to go down. The elevator door will be opened, and they'll be staring at a wall of zombies, which is probably a bad thing. Right. So, again, I can I can let that go. Um, and ultimately, they get trapped on the roof. Yeah. With nowhere to go. And the biggest thing about this is we find out that Jim has been bit. So, that's it for Jim. Jim, uh, you know, he lost his yeast cake, and now he's been uh, bit in the abdomen. He has. Sort of the back, though, right? Yeah, well, the thorax area. Sure, yeah. Um, I do appreciate the fact that upon rewatch of the episode, you can see the moment he gets bit. It's there, just like with Carl. It was there, but nobody knew to look for it. When um, Jim goes through that glass door and the zombies on top of him, he reaches over for that pair of surgical scissors. And as he's doing that, you can clearly see the zombie's head go down around his back, take a bite and move on. So good good times. Yeah, they they did that pretty well. But at the end of the day, I got to admit, I'm glad Jim is dead because he's my least favorite of all the new characters. I find him annoying. And I'm just glad we're not going to have to hear him talk about beer anymore. Yeah, or yeast cake or anything like that. I uh, I credit this, uh, you know, the fact that we we saw the moment that he gets uh, he gets bitten to uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. I think that uh, he did a, a really good job in that particular scene. There you go. See, they 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 made it. They put it in, but made it subtle enough that you don't really know it's coming until you know what to look for. Yeah, that's what you get when you bring Lewis Diamond Phillips onto the set. Lewis. All right. <laughs> Very good. Um, and then, uh, you know, at the end of the episode, um, we've already talked about the Alicia stuff. So at the end of this sequence, we we have June and Morgan up there talking and she asks him if if he can get them out of this. You know, he's she's much more diplomatic and civil about things than Jim was. And Morgan says no. But she says, I have faith that you will. So, you know, I think this whole half season, one of the other things it's been about is whether or not Morgan can hold it together and be the leader of this group. And it hasn't always been amazing. It hasn't always been compelling. But 
I do think that's an interesting angle to explore about Morgan because of his past. Right. Well, what are the options? You're stuck on a roof. Uh, you know, let's try and uh, let's reason this out. What do you think, uh, what do you think is going to happen? How are they going to get out of this? Well, we sort of already know that they can't use the fire escape. It, it's broken. And if they could go down there, yeah, there's zombies all over the place anyways. So they wouldn't want to go down there. So what do they do? They're stuck on a roof. Um, I mean, who, you can't really signal anybody. There's probably not going to be anyone else around. Yep. Uh, you have to just somehow stay there long enough until you think you can fight your way back down through the zombies and get out through the stairs? Mm, yeah. I mean, that's a possibility, but I don't think that's going to happen. There's too many zombies and they don't have enough weapons to uh, to do that. But if you, uh, but if you were able to funnel the zombies, like up a staircase, up a staircase or something, like it yeah. would be very easy to kill them slowly. And then as the bodies build up, it forms a barricade. So, I feel like it's manageable, but you're right. It's still an awful lot of zombies. It's like the Spartans in 300. You know, if you get right. them in that pass, uh, you just build yourself a wall of dead bodies. That's right. And, and you're good. But if that's not an option, do you have any other thoughts? How are, how are they going to get down? Well, they could zip line down. I assume that uh, there's some kind of power line going from point A to point B on uh, bent power posts and uh, telephone poles. Ah, okay. Uh, so they could zip line down. Uh, they could get rescued by a helicopter. Somebody just flying over. I mean, we've seen that happen before. Yeah, we? I really hope a helicopter doesn't just fly over and pick them up. That'll be way too easy. We need more. Yeah. We need more suffering here. Window washing equipment can, uh, uh-huh. can get you down if you have a window washer that uh, goes all the way to the ground. They might be able to utilize that now that they have power. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They could use the ropes to repel down. I don't know if any of them have repelling skills. Uh, they could just jump. Maybe there's a pool. Maybe there's, there's a pool. Pot- do hospitals have outdoor pools that are still full of water two years after the all hail breaks loose? Maybe there's an open top dump truck full of garbage that would form a nice soft landing. Oh yeah, nice you know movie movie garbage, right? Not the, not the real garbage with like sticks with nails in it and shit. No movie uh, garbage and you know old frying pans and uh, you know various pieces of glass and stuff, but like you know filled up full of crumpled up paper and uh, boxes, right? Pillows. Maybe an Pillows, old, yeah. Maybe, maybe, an old, maybe next door is a pillow factory. That's right. An old mattress or two. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, they could live up there forever. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know how they would get food. Maybe they, there's a garden. Maybe there's a garden that's big enough to feed them, and uh, they collect rainwater, and that's where they live now. Rooftop garden, yeah. Uh, what else? Hang glider? <laughs> make, make, make a hang glider? I'm sure Eugene could figure something out. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pipe in a hospital. Right mm-hmm. and bed sheets. Mm-hmm. They could make a hang glider. I'm sure a parachute even. A par- well, parachute's a little harder because you'd have to have a whole. Yeah, it, it, I think a hang glider probably makes more sense. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they didn't invent the pa- parachute first, right? They invented the airplane first and then the parachute. It, you know, it just doesn't uh, sure doesn't work that way. So if you have to reinvent something from scratch, I would go with the airplane. Go with the airplane. Sure. <laughs> now listen, you're yeah. forgetting one important thing here. What's that? Althea is stuck in the generator room. She's not with them up there. So is there some way that she is going to be able to do something to help them get away? Oh, electrical levitation. 
Well, I wasn't thinking of that, but yeah. Yeah, you not? generate an electrical field. You uh, direct it using uh, magnetism and, and uh, gravity waves outside of the uh, the building, and you build yourself uh, an electrical anti-gravity field that they could all just jump down to and then softly land to the ground. Mm-hmm. And it also has the advantage of uh, creating like a, uh, a downburst of air mm-hmm. that will push all the zombies out of the way so that when they nice and safely land, it'll be a nice clear area. Okay, well, why not? Anything is possible, and, I guess. Yeah, and then uh, and it also has the side benefit of instantly time traveling uh, three years into the past so that they show up at this hospital beforehand so that they can uh, build the equipment necessary in order to save their lives later. Boy, for someone who hasn't <laughs> thought this through at all, you've really got a lot of ideas. <laughs> oh, yeah, lots of ideas. <laughs> Very good. They all involve time travel and gravity waves. Sure. But whatever. Well, I think I was thinking that now that the power's on and Al is in the generator room, she might be able to, you know, activate some kind of emergency system or emergency siren, which will draw the zombies away. Something like that. Oh, yeah. uh, this is this is a hospital. In theory, there are ambulances and things like that around. Maybe or maybe functional, maybe not. So I figured there was that or uh, Martha is out there. Right. And if we assume Martha's coming back and Martha knows where they are or how to find them or follow them somehow, she might do something that facilitates their escape. What that is, I don't know. And they, I'm not would even have sure. To call, uh, unfortunately, we'd have to call that deus ex Martha. Nice. Nice. It's <laughs> a pretty good dad joke. <laughs> yeah. We'd, we'd have to. <laughs> we would. We would. Because she'd show up out of nowhere and save the day. That's right. Uh, so I think that might play into it somehow, or maybe some combination of those things, you know, maybe, maybe Al turns the sirens on and that attracts Martha. I don't know. Maybe they uh, turn on a siren and that, uh, attracts, um, John Dory and, and family. Right. In order to, uh, to come and save them. And right. They, uh, you know, John, John Dory comes in with his six shooters and, uh, you know, twirling guns all the way, shoots all the zombies. If anyone can do it, it's him. Or at least come up with a plan. Uh, involving some kind of uh, truck cap as a boat. Of course, yes. Because that's, you know what his plans, uh, you know, that's that fucking raft. I know. Come on, John Dory. I'm so, I'm still disappointed in you for building that raft and thinking it would work. I know, I know, I know. John Dory. Poor John Dory. My son's asleep. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I'm very happy. (laughs) Wonderful. He's been having trouble going to sleep tonight. Good. Okay, well, just to wrap up, uh, here, I think the whole, most of the hospital sequence was, was great. It was fun. It was exciting. It put our characters in danger. Uh, somebody's going to die and you know, it's, it was just good. It was good. It was, it was old time zombie stuff. It doesn't, honestly, it doesn't really feel, this show doesn't feel like fear the walking dead anymore. It feels a little bit more like the main show. And I guess that's a good thing for me because I like this episode a lot more than I did last week's and most of the episodes in the back half of season four. Right. Well, good. All right. Well, um, that's going to do it for our sort of episode recap. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we got some listener feedback. So stay tuned. Yeah. 
Listener feedback. All righty. Our first email here comes from Jack on the internet. Jack writes, so what city are they in? Austin? Have they said? We see a skyline, then suddenly they're in a hospital. Anyone else feel like we time jumped quite a bit here? Well, yeah, they, you know, conveniently went to this uh, idealistic city in the distance. Like there was just all, you know, field. And then right at the end of this very straight road is, you know, buildings. Yeah, so yeah. it's just very compact, very um, uh, Wizard of Oz type city. Was it the... Uh, oh, yeah, I know it, what you mean. Oz? Yeah, like the end of the Yellow Brick Road. You just see the, the green castle, like, on the horizon. And that's sort of like what this was. They sort of went down this straight road following a, a hospital sign, and there it was, in the middle yeah. of the city. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and when they showed the background of the city when they were on the roof, there would, uh, it looked like there was a Capitol building. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, I doubt that it's, you know, Washington, D.C., but it kind of <laughs> looked like it. It's not. It, it has a similar building, but our next email here comes from friend of the show, Adam, in Texas, and he writes, Austin, I love it. All the landmarks of the city just photoshopped to look crappy and dilapidated. Interesting episode. Not sure where they're going, but the adventure vibe is back. Aww. So, so it was indeed Austin. I met Adam uh, when I was down there a few years ago in Texas in Austin, and it's a very cool city. I honestly didn't recognize it. I was only there for a couple of days. I don't know the skyline, but he's from there or lives there, so it is Austin. Makes me want the Walking Dead to come to Toronto to see what the Toronto skyline would look like. That'll be awesome uh, to all see. All dilapidated after uh, you know merely two years of no maintenance. The CN Tower would be like leaning up against the Scotia Building or something like that. Well, it, it would at just, least it would kind of fall over, but it wouldn't completely crumble. It would just uh, it would just like lean up against another building. That would be cool. cool. It would at least crack. The top would crack off and fall down at least, right? I don't know. It's pretty strong. It's pretty strong. I assume it's pretty strong. I'm sure that the whole thing could fall over and it would just you know go clink and then roll away, <laughs> roll into the lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be fun. That would be fun to see zombie zombie apocalypse Toronto. You always yeah. want to see your hometown as a desolate wasteland. Yeah, you know. Can only hope. Right. All right. Terry on Facebook, our Facebook page wrote, I'm tired of Morgan thinking that everything is his fault. He should realize by now that this is the apocalypse and you fight or get bit. I never understood why the dirty Joker was after Morgan. He helped her when nobody else did. Right. It's because Martha is bonkers and she's just crazy and out for her own agenda. And that's that. Uh, Robin on Facebook, like uh, wrote, I really like this episode, loved Martha's backstory. And that wasn't a bottle and that it wasn't a bottle episode. Loved that the walkers were such a threat again. I loved the walking dead season one callback of the rooftop, the season four, I think use of a hospital only this time. It isn't safe. Isn't a safe functioning place. The season one callback to Jim getting bit. There are always a few things where you have to suspend disbelief, but to me, they're minor in this episode. Right. So good stuff. Yeah. Another yeah. Jim. We've lost another, we've lost a Jim on both shows now. <laughs> right. Jim. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy down. Jim, Jim's down. That's right. Uh, Mindy in Tonawanda, New York. Uh, Mindy sent a bunch of ideas, but I, I pulled a couple out of her email. Mindy writes, maybe some efforts to distract the growing horde following the group. Maybe someone lights a fire at that intersection where they turn to go to the hospital. I don't know, just something other than running. So Mindy's not too, not too excited about that 
sequence of events, and I can see her point, you know. Well, you know, human beings are designed to run, right? Like we really are. Yeah. No, it's not even necessarily fight or flight. I mean, one of the things we do as a species that we do better than pretty much every other species. Actually, I think it's better than every other species on the planet is we can outrun them long distance uh, endurance wise. Right, 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 right. We can keep going longer than any animal. Like you're going to get caught and eaten by a cheetah, but if you could run as fast as it, or if you could somehow stay away from it, you'd eventually it would get tired before you do. Right. And that's, you know, you, you run down, you can run down a deer. If you, you know, wide open plains kind of thing, and if you can track it, you could run it down to it, to exhaustion. Right. And then just basically hit it with a rock and uh, take it down. I mean, let's and, be honest. Some people could do that. I couldn't do that. I'm talking about the species as a whole. I'm sure. not talking about me running down a deer. I probably, I can't even <laughs> run down my son who's two. Right. And like, I'm going to, I have to learn how to lasso. Like that's the only real option I have at this point. Oh, you should do that. That'd be great. Yeah. The neck thing. No, it might, it no might look lasso. odd in the park too, if you're lassoing your son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get arrested in the park. Yeah, probably. what happened. <laughs> well. But yeah. Uh, so running is uh, probably a fallback position for uh, us as a species. You know, when something's chasing us, uh, I'm not going to create a distraction. I mean, sure, that's a nice reasonable thing to do, but, you know, uh, uh, just run. Yeah, it's it can't hurt. Mindy and the zombies are an extension of that species kind of thing. Like they don't stop. No, right? They're even better at it than we are because they don't have to eat, they don't have to sleep, they don't have to breathe. They just go, and they go for a long time. They may not be as fast as us, but they do not stop. No, they are truly the definition of relentless. And uh, even when you may be able to go for a long time, but ev- eventually you will run out of energy, but they won't. That's right. It's one of the things that makes them so scary. Uh, Anyways, Mindy here has another point. Um, She writes, you've got an eclectic group of survivors, and yet they are all looking to Morgan for guidance. No one else has any idea on how to get out. Even if it's rejected, have someone else look like they have a brain and throw out an idea on how to deal with the situation. And I agree with that. This season has been a little bit too much like that, I think. When we have any semblance of the group together which hasn't been that much time but now that we have it's all morgan it's all morgan trying to do stuff and come up with ideas everyone else is just sort of bumbling through their own existence and trying to get him to help so i think that's a good observation by mindy yeah dan in columbus ohio writes i liked the wendell backstory with how he got the wheelchair the idea that helping people is costly but it's worth but worth it is really intriguing yeah that's nice. I thought that was a really good story. Uh, absolutely. And then Noop J on the internet writes, pay attention here, Jason. Oh no, the beer guy is going to die. I had a suspicion something was ailing him. He did not look hoppy when they were on the roof. I can't see him lasting any longer than one more episode. If only Al had her camera, she could take one last picture of him. If he is truly stout, though, I'm sure he'll find a way to go out with barley any struggle. I love puns. Wasn't that genius? That was delightful. I hope my reading of it was was good, because I I think you could really screw that up. Yeah, no, it was good. Well done, Chris. Thank you, Noop J, for that. That was fantastic. Uh, Amazing. Fantastic amazing. Okay, next few emails here, um, more than a few, I guess, are about last week's episode or just kind of some general thoughts, but I wanted to include them here. So here we go. Gemma, 
longtime listener from South Wales wrote us a long email about her disappointment with season four. I think she's kind of feeling the same way we are about it. Um, but she did a character, like a brief character by character breakdown. And I pulled that out of her email because I think I agree with uh, most of it here. So she writes, June, I have no idea who she is really or what her real name is. I think we can safely say at this point it's June, but yep. I, I see what she's saying. Strand, without Madison, he seems pointless. Morgan, not a leading man, really, and seems confused as to what he's doing on fear. His only mission is to get back to Alexandria, which he never should have left in the first place. Jim, dead. Wendell, quite cool, but a bit of a liability to the group. Sorry. Al, I do like Maggie Grace, but we need to know more about her character. Alicia, I still love her. Charlie, a mix of Lizzie and Sophia, no less annoying. John Dory, I agree with Jason last week, but I do love I do love him, but he made stupid rafts. Martha, completely pointless. It would have been too easy to shoot her this episode. Her motive for killing people is stupid. Everyone's lost someone. In comparison to Negan or the governor, she just looks mental. She'll be dead soon. Also, are we meant to believe she's been killing people all this time, three years or whatever, without someone taking her down? Or is Texas really that empty? Sarah, I like the way she calls Morgan Momo. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the extent of it there. The only one I don't really agree with, I think, is Al, where Gemma says, I like Maggie Grace, but we need to know more about her character. I think I felt that way early on, but we've gotten a little bit more about Al uh lately about her past as a uh, I think a war correspondent and just her whole point in trying to save people's stories and and record them I agree we could know more about her and I think we will uh but they've at least you know done a little bit of character work on Al recently yeah. so so it's been okay uh but any any other any other of those uh, character breakdowns jump out at you as especially apt or absolutely bonkers? Well, the worst thing you can say about John Dory is you can't build a raft. Yeah. You know? and no- I can't build a raft. I'm not as cool as John Dory. Nobody's perfect. He's close, though. Yeah. he. Uh, you know, everybody has a weakness. His is water. Raft building. Raft, you know, he can't do anything on the water to save his life. Even, uh, even just going on the water, he loses his hat. Right. Now, just stay away from water, John Dory. Sure. And he said more than once in the episode, I hate the wet ones, the zombies that come out of the water. Yep. That's his weakness. Clearly it is. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Gemma, for writing that in. Jenny in South Carolina writes, uh, and this is about last week's episode. Um, uh, She writes, there's a difference between clinical depression and depression over an event. Strand is chronically depressed. And he did lose the love of his life, the man in Mexico. I'm not sure why you seem to be obsessed with pairing him with a woman. While he's always been an alcoholic, he seems to be uh, binging due to so many bad things happening in a row. Um, so, are we trying to pair Strand with a woman? I don't. You might be. No, I, I'm not. I don't recall doing that. I mean, I think maybe we talked about his kind of uh, depression and what's going on with his character since Madison has left the show. And that's come up even this week, a couple times. Yeah. Um, but I'm not trying to pair him romantically with her. I just think they were a good duo on screen. Right. And he, again, has felt 
useless without Madison, which is what Gemma said in her last email. Well, yeah, one of the things he laments is that she was his drinking buddy, too. Right. And the loss of her has, you know, increased his, his drinking a fair bit. But, yeah, no, I, I'm fully aware that Strand is not the guy kind of guy who's going to be romantically interested in a woman, or at least we yeah. don't think so. Um, but, you know, his whole character, or a big part of it, was based around his relationship with Madison. And without her, it just hasn't been the same yeah. for us or for him. Okay, Irwin in Manila, Philippines writes, I think Fear the Walking Dead is trying to do something different with their storytelling. They might be trying a Seinfeld-style show about nothing but set in the zombie apocalypse. (laughs) Right. Story bits will be more about mundane stuff like shrinkage, Nazi soup cues, masturbation contests, or made-up names like Art Vandalay or Jimbo or Momo, plus beer runs, bungling water escapes, and a hungry croc. This could be a refreshing new direction for the zombie show, as the arch-villain formula for each season has become stale and predictable. Ordinary day-to-day stuff in the ZA could be interesting and entertaining if done right. If done in the comedy styles of the 90s. Yeah, possibly. (laughs) Couldn't hurt. I don't know that, you know, the sort of mundane day-to-day all the time with a zombie show is going to work. I'm not saying there isn't a place for that because you do have to find food. You have to find water. You have to find shelter. You have to find clothes. You have to clean your clothes once in a while. And occasionally you have to have a masturbation contest, but you can't have that all the time. And I think this episode really showed that because of how much I enjoyed the hospital stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it's like real life. Soup Nazis and masturbation contests. Anti-masturbation contests. That's true. That's true. Got to be clear about that. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, good good thinking, Erwin. Um, And and maybe they've got that on the backs of their minds. But we also need scenes like the hospital stuff, I think. We do. Okay, finally here, we got a big email from Sean in Mandeville, Mandeville, Louisiana. I'm not sure if that's right, but it's close. Sean writes, for one, I loved the last episode, Blackjack. Morgan and the truckers were hilarious. I'm really enjoying the levity this season that breaks up the depressing drama. And how the take-what-you-need box ultimately led to Luciana finding the beer for the man's last dying wish, which was extremely touching, I thought. Especially since he was the one who started leaving the boxes. The John Dorian Strand adventure marooned on a makeshift island patrolled by a ravenous gator was one word. Fun. Overall, this episode just made me happy. I've listened to your show now for several years, and unfortunately, it is starting to transform into what many of my past favorite podcasts became. It usually starts out as friends starting a podcast about a show they really enjoy and want to talk about. Then over the years, they forget the fun and entertainment the show provided because the podcast becomes more of a job. This leads to them progressing into TV critics instead of podcasters. Believe me, I've seen this happen with multiple podcasts and I ultimately have to leave and so hope it doesn't happen again with your podcast. Try taking off your critic hat and stop obsessively nitpicking everything and just relish the adventure. You'll be much happier and the podcast we know and love will return. Well, I don't know if I can stop nitpicking. So, yeah, there's that. Um, And I wanted to read that just because I'm certainly not afraid to be called out when I'm a moron or say something stupid or whatever. 
Uh, but I don't think what we've been doing lately, Jason, really falls into that category, to be honest with you. I think we've been pretty honest in our opinions. And I wanted to know, do you feel like a TV critic versus a guy who likes to sit down and talk about his favorite TV shows? Uh, I don't know what a TV critic feels like. I know what a guy who likes to talk about pop culture crap yeah. feels like. Mm -hmm. This feels like that. Yeah. Only it's, the topic is, well, I, I, I want to say more specific, but I tend to go off on more tangents than, you know, be specific. Right. But uh, <laughs> I do enjoy talking about pop culture. Uh -huh. uh, it, and I don't feel like a critic. No. I'm not smart enough to be a critic. I would agree with that. I don't personally feel like a TV critic either. And, you know, if it comes off that way, uh, you know, that's not really our attention. But at the same time, I don't want to be afraid to criticize the show when I think it deserves it. And that doesn't make me a critic, I don't think, or it doesn't make us critics. It simply makes us fans who who have an opinion. And I, I think that's okay. And, and Sean, I wanted to, I hope you don't mind that I read your email um, because I think it was probably an important thing to discuss a little bit. Um, and I hope you will stick with us. And I hope everyone will despite, or when we like the show and when we don't like the show, I think over the years, personally, I have, well, I know for a fact that I've enjoyed a lot more of this show and the main show than I have not enjoyed. In fact, I can never say I haven't enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed watching it. I've always enjoyed doing the podcast. And, you know, if there's an episode that I don't like as much as another one, that's just going to happen. And last week's happened to be an extreme example of that, because as I said last week, I thought it was a giant disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's going to happen at some point. So um, anyways, I don't, I don't know what else I can say about that, but uh, I do hope you'll stick with us. And, you know, I, I got to say, I don't feel like a critic. I still feel like a guy who just likes to hang out and talk about the show. And it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm a little taken aback by that. I haven't, uh, I don't think I have the advantage of being able to think about it for a little while like you have. So I'm, uh, yeah. I'm not sure exactly how I feel about that. And I'm not sure that I can articulate a response because I don't know what my response would be. Yeah. And I, I should apologize. I meant to send this to you earlier because I thought it might take a little bit of noodling. Uh, and then I forgot. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, there's that too. If this was my job. <laughs> I probably would have not forgotten to do that. So you see. <laughs> oh, if it was my job, I would have forgotten. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's why I keep to-do lists. I have a very specific to-do list to to help me not forget this kind of stuff. Well, that's good. I should maybe start one of those. Yeah. All right. Thank you to everyone who wrote in uh, no calls this week, which is fine. But uh, if you would like to call, by all means, please do in the future weeks. Um, the next episode of Fear the Walking Dead is episode number 15. It's the second last one of season four, and it's called I Lose People. So that's Morgan. That's Morgan centric. It, it has to be. It is. It has to be. And episode 16, the last one is called I Lose Myself. So <laughs> I lose people and I lose myself and I know what it is or you know what it is. He hasn't said that in a while. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to change the name of this show to Morgan and the Walking Dead. <laughs> right. Why not? 
Uh, so if you want to do a title read, um, record that somehow, ideally into your phone and email it to us. I lose people. Um, just before we go, Jason, yeah. I wanted okay. to uh, just throw a, a thank you out to a listener in Seattle who I met last week. I was in Seattle for work. Nice. I mentioned that on the show the week before I went. And listener Alex in Seattle, Washington, reached out and said, hey, if you're in town, do you want to get together? I work at Microsoft. I'll give you a tour of the Microsoft campus, a personal tour. Nice. And so I jumped at the chance. He's been listening for a long time. We met up and he walked me around the campus in Redmond there. You know, all kinds of interesting stuff. I saw building number one, the first building they built. Uh, where the CEO's office is, plus the big Microsoft store, you know, the different buildings and what goes on in them. One's the office building, one is the Xbox building, all that kind of stuff. There's fact, an Xbox building? Well, Does it look like an Xbox? No, no, I mean, no. it looks like an Xbox. Well, it should, but it doesn't. Uh, but, you know, there's multiple buildings involved in a lot of these teams. So it was, it, was a, it was great. And I just wanted to say thank you so much, Alex, for taking me around and showing me a good time. Nice. <laughs> At the Microsoft office and buying me a coffee. That was nice too. Oh, coffee's always good. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, incidentally, Seattle is an amazing city too. I really enjoyed every minute of my visit there. Uh, so if you're thinking of a fun place to visit, I recommend Seattle and go up to Space I've always Needle. wanted to go ever since, uh, ever since I played Shadowrun, which is based in Seattle. Oh, there you go. Um, the Space Needle. I have a, I love high observation points and I go up to, you know, observation decks every chance I get. And I was very happy to check the Space Needle off my list and happy to say that it is one of the better ones. It was really, really good. It's a, it's just a great experience up there in my opinion. Nice. So yeah. So Seattle, very cool. Thank you, Alex, for doing that. I had a great time and uh, maybe we will meet again someday. All right. Uh, let's wrap this up, Jason. So if people would like to contact us, I think we can tell them how to do that. They can either yeah. find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. They can tweet us, which, you know, isn't the best way anymore, but that's at talking dead. You can visit our website at talking and find all of our episodes there. First of all, but also click on send voicemail at the top, which will allow you to record a message right into your computer and it will come to us. Or just please, of course, send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just give Chris a call directly at 416. I don't know your phone number. That's probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know your phone number. If I lost my phone, I that'd be it. I, well, Skype, I suppose. But, I, you know, there's no Skype phone number. I don't know what your Skype name is. Right. We're know, just... I have every, everything in uh, electronic. Anyway, uh, yeah, give Chris a call. All right. Give... I mean, you know. 416 is a Toronto uh, area code, so there can't be that many numbers. Just try. Yeah. In fact, I bet you people can probably just look me up now. <laughs> way to go. That's all right. Uh, that's it. Those are all the way to contact us. So we'll be back next week with uh, our discussion on episode 15. I lose people. Get your title reads in. And uh, we will see you next time. So until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.